And I want to talk to you tonight about still yet another one of his wonderful characteristics and attributes. But as I look out there, I could tell uh, some have had a busy day. Uh, you look a little tired, maybe just a tad bit frazzled. Uh, it looks to me like your day was filled with many, many responsibilities, and probably you didn't have a chance, therefore, to read USA Today. So before we actually do Bible study, we just want to help you around here. So I'm just going to read to you, if you don't mind, I'll just fill you in on some of the, some of the headlines, okay? Because this will really encourage you and build you up. <clears throat> this one jumps out. Attempted murder charge handcuffs ground astronaut. So once again, Houston, Texas made the national news. Then I'm looking over here. There's a discussion now about widening the scope of the death penalty. A half dozen states are considering it. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, and, and they want to extend the death penalty to those who uh, molest children, uh, so says uh, a governor of one of the neighboring states. So that's good news, don't you think? That'll lift up your spirits. How about this one? If you need a little uplift, 10 killed in Kentucky house fire. It says the deadliest building fire in Kentucky in at least 30 years killed 10 people. Six were children. Mm. Here's a new phenomenon to watch out for. It says pot, marijuana growing is moving to the suburbs now. Illegal marijuana growers are turning hot real estate, it says, into hot houses. One lady says, I have babies. I don't want to be around that, she says. So that's good news. Better check out your neighbors. <laughs> then the weather. Oh, man. Wide area takes a wintry punch. The weather patterns are unbelievable, don't you think? They're more severe than ever. I have uh, remembered them to be. Many deaths in other states due to uh, the terrible conditions, ice and storms, and all of it seems out of control. Then another article about Katrina. I had interest in this one. Some residents of New Orleans are, uh, they hired a lawyer, I guess, because they want to protest the government's interest in plowing under Katrina-damaged housing projects in New Orleans, which these residents say are not beyond repair and can still serve a purpose. So that battle is still going on. The death toll in Iraq, did you read this? As of Tuesday morning, yesterday, 3,092 United States service members uh, had been killed thus far in Iraq. 607 from non-combat related incidents. Wow, I'm only on page four. This is the news. I don't read it often because I don't need any help in being depressed. <laughs> oh, then we, naturally, the Mideast, Secretary Rice is over there to schedule peace talks with Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmer and uh, Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. They want to uh, negotiate peace. Give me a break. 
And then Kenya, Africa, 60 dead over land battles. They're actually having real estate battles in Kenya. The government, corrupt government officials are laying hold of land and slaughtering the residents there in order to take possession of it. Well then, put on a happy face. (laughs) So here's the deal. I wanted to talk to you tonight about the goodness of God. We have spoken about uh, several of his attributes thus far, and I thought tonight it would be good for us to talk about this one, the goodness of God. But then I read USA Today, and I just tell you, I, I can't. So let's just leave. I mean, I read USA Today, and I, can you help me? How do I reconcile the goodness of God with what I just read to you in the newspaper. I don't get it. If God is good, then why all of this? If God is good, could you please explain to me the evil and the suffering in the world? I know you ask yourself the question. Have you come up with any answers? I'm troubled by it just as you are. And so I thought about it a little bit over the last few days and came to this conclusion. The suffering and evil, some of which I read about and which we experience, do not come from God. In fact, what comes from God is always good. Could I share with you Genesis chapter 1 verse 31? Post-creation and God is evaluating his handiwork like an artist is stepping back to take a look at the canvas and coming to a conclusion about his handiwork. And this is the artisan we know as God. This is what his evaluation is with regard to that which he had so artistically and magnificently brought to be, creation. Here's his evaluation of his own handiwork in Genesis Chapter 1, verse 31, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In Hebrew, it's tov ma'od. And when you add the word ma'od, it means good to the max. It's so good, it's awesome. That was God's conclusion. So what happened from the time God fashioned this magnificently very good beyond description created world to what we have read about today in USA Today? What in the world happened? Well, I'll tell you, but I don't know if you want to hear it. You happened. You messed it up. And so did I. Now God could... Take a hit if that's what you want to do. And he doesn't need a puny little Jewish guy like me to defend him. So I'm not here to defend God, the audacity of it all. I'm just telling you to tell you the truth. Anything that comes from God is good. That's all. Therefore, we have to look elsewhere for the source of evil and suffering. And it's two S's. One is Satan and the other is sin. Now, nobody likes to hear that today because we're in a... I'm the victim, (laughs) you're you're the responsible party day. 
Well, I'm telling you, my fellow responsible parties, we have sinned and we've messed up God's flawless canvas. He created it out of nothing. It was without corruption, pure and undefiled, and the handiwork of the most magnificent artisan. We could imagine a divine being himself who spoke it into existence. He didn't labor and sweat over it. He said, let there be light, and it was, and we have filled it with the darkness of our own sin. And how you could deny that, how any thinking person could, is beyond me. Read the newspaper if you will not read the Bible. This is bad, and yet an accurate depiction of our sin and corruption. So I cannot blame our sorry state of affairs on Almighty God, our parents, Adam and Eve, invited evil into the world, and it came running. And it continues to this very day. It wasn't God's intention for cancer to be. It wasn't God's intention for children to die in their infancy. It wasn't God's intention for there to be war and murder and all the rest. God created paradise and provided for our parents each and every need. They did not grow in an impoverished, deprived environment. They got no one to blame. Everything was taken care of. And they sinned against Almighty God. And to this very day, (laughs) we're suffering the consequences of it. See, here's the deal. You and I have been given by a good God personal freedom. That's what a good God gave us, personal freedom. You talk about the right to choose, good night. (laughs) We got it and we use it. And so the evil and suffering, in my opinion, which is in the world, is directly linked to our sinful misuse of our personal freedom. It has nothing to do with God. We are responsible Listen, if a man sins against the goodness of God, who is to blame but man himself? Well, there's a way to eradicate all this bad stuff in the world. I was thinking about it the other day. I got the solution to it. Let's just petition Almighty God to eradicate our personal freedom. Let's just do that, okay? Let's sign a petition. We'll send it to heaven. And we'll say, Almighty God, thank you for the gift of choice, but no thank you. Take it away. Mandate our behaviors. Impose yourself upon us. Force our decisions and our choices. Because what you obligate us to do surely will be good. And in so doing, we will eradicate evil and suffering. And then a good God cries out, oh no, keep your petition. Because anyone who imposes his will on another is not good. So God says, no, you have your personal freedom. I will not take it away. I want you to be constrained to love me, but not by threats and not by coercion. I want you to be constrained to love me and submit to me and to comply with my commandments as a free exercise of your will. I will not have it in any other way. You know why he says that? Because he's good. And a good God allows choice. So he's given us... 
the very dangerous ability to choose evil, and we have. We're experts. He's the one who created this perfectly good world. When he finished it, he stepped back as we read and concluded it was very, very good. And we exercised our freedom and we, and we sinned and, and sin permeated the world, even the environment. Tell this, please, to prior Vice President Al Gore. I, I, he's right. We have an environmental problem, but it's not melting polar ice, whatever he's talking about. Even the environment has been corrupted by human sin. Everything, everything is affected by what we did. We invite, invited evil into the world by sinning and it came. So God is not in any way responsible for the hardships and pains and losses and calamities and catastrophes which we each experience and will until Until the day when this mighty and good God reverses the very throes and effects of our own sinful condition. If you cry out, how could a good God allow all this to happen? Hang on just for a second. What are you doing about it? I'll tell you what he's doing about it in one word, Jesus. He sent him to suffer and to die and to redeem what we have corrupted. And he's sending him the second time. (laughs) And between the two comings, we do the best we can to cope with the life we have brought upon ourselves with God's help. And then we wait for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ when we will see Genesis revisited. (laughs) Read the book of Revelation. Genesis revisited. A good God is doing something about the evil and suffering in the world. You know what else a good God can do? I don't get this, but he does. A good God can use all this for good. Isn't that amazing? Everything I read to you about in the USA Today thing, which is so bad, a good God can use it all. You know this in a small way. You know when you're at your best? (laughs) When you're feeling your worst. Because when you're at your worst... You cry out to your awesome God for help. And you wouldn't do it if you were at your best. That's why David says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep thy commandments. I don't ask for affliction, but to tell you the truth, I do better so do you in adversity than in prosperity. When there's an emptying of self, We have ample room to be filled up by the very Spirit of God. He can use all things for the good. He can use Assyrians and Babylonians and Nazis. and He could use everyone, everyone. The most evil ones in our midst. He can use it all for the good. He could use what we reckon to be tragedy and calamity. He could use even our pain to provide for us benefits of an eternal kind because he's a good God. God uses all things for the good to those who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. I don't know how he does it, but I testify (laughs) as a 57-year-old, I've never been abandoned. 
I only felt it. <laughs> I've only felt abandoned at times. I've only felt lost and forgotten. <laughs> Those are just feelings. And at the end of the feelings, I have found the fact of the presence and power and provision of a good God. In church of old, we used to say, God is good all the time. That's a theologically accurate statement, circumstances notwithstanding. A good God sent Jesus to redeem the world. He's doing it. He will succeed. Speaking of Jesus, which we should, <laughs> once someone came to speak to him about a very important issue, this man was inquiring uh, of the Lord Jesus with regard to eternal life. And the Lord Jesus gave a most interesting response. I I'd like for you to take a look at this little encounter. It's in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Just two verses. Mark chapter 10. The Lord Jesus was traveling mostly by foot. As you know, a man came up to him. We'll read about it in this text. And as he, the Lord, was setting out on a journey, a man, we don't know who, a man, ran up to him and knelt before him, sign of Middle Eastern respect, and began asking him, good teacher, rabbi would be the uh, word in the original language, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me? Good. No one is good except God alone. Now, I must tell you, uh, as I divert a little bit from the main point, there is a major religious group in our midst who uses this text to demonstrate that Jesus is not God. They say, look, Jesus himself is saying, don't call me good. Only God is good. The implication being, I'm not God. Can you guess what group that is? I don't have to tell you, do I? You know who they are. You know the initials? First one is J. Okay, good. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to clean it up and be less obnoxious. So, so it's really hard. <laughs> but, but that group is wrong. They are really, 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 really wrong. See, Jesus is, is here saying the opposite of what they think he's saying. See, if he was saying, I am not God then he would have said, no one is good except the Father alone. He didn't say that. See, he would have said, the Father is God, but I, the Son, am not. I'm just an emanation from God. That's what that group calls him. He's an emanation from God, but he ain't really God. See, if Jesus was denying his divinity, he would have said, only the Father is good. He, he doesn't say that. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Here's the deal. This guy comes up to him and he shows some generic respect. He kneels before him and he calls him a good teacher. Big deal. Listen, I got to tell you something. You need someone more than a good teacher if you want an authoritative answer about how to have eternal life. You understand? So that's why Jesus is saying, thanks so much, but don't flatter me with your, you know, kneeling before me, calling me good teacher. 
Listen to me. If you want an authoritative answer about the source of eternal life, you're going to have to realize that it is sourced in a relationship with me and that I am God. So don't be calling anyone good unless you can use it with reference to Almighty God who is the source of eternal life. That's what's going on. This guy thinks the source of an eternal life is find you a good teacher and he gives you some principle or some teaching, some didactic thing, some how-to book. You know what Jesus is saying? The source of eternal life is a relationship with me. So this guy had to come to grips with who Jesus was first. You can't just get eternal life by bypassing Jesus or by having a distorted notion of who he is. Don't call me good teacher until you acknowledge me as God and only God is good. You can't have eternal life. That's what's going on over here in my humble yet accurate opinion. So that's what's happening over here. So Jesus says, nobody but God is good. What does that mean? Folks, it means God alone is good by nature. It means he doesn't have to work at being good. It comes naturally to him. It's his nature to be good. And since it is his nature to be good, that means this is really good news. That means he can never stop being good. Even when you're bad, (laughs) and you is, It doesn't cause him to cease being good to you because for him to cease being good to you would be for him to deny himself. And your badness ain't powerful enough to get him to deny himself. It is his nature to be good. That's what the Lord meant, it seems to me, when he said only God is good. He is unchangeably, irreversibly good. And he is good absolutely. You're good. I'm good relatively I mean relatively speaking I'm, I think I'm gooder than a number of you I, I just really do and relatively speaking there's possibly one or two that's gooder than me but you see our goodness is on, on relative terms good in comparison to who one another That's what the Lord Jesus meant when he said only God is good. Only he is absolutely good. He's not relatively good. He doesn't have a good day. He's not good on a a scale of one to ten, you know, an eight. No. He's absolutely, by nature, good. And his goodness is undiminished and unchangeable. And therefore, his goodness originates with him. If you're good... You know what I prayed today? This is kind of a weird deal. I said, Lord, I would really like to be good when when I go back to church tonight. That's a good thing, right? I would like to be good to somebody, but I can't unless you fill me with your goodness. And it just occurred to me that my goodness is derived. His is innate and inherent. That's why the Lord Jesus could say, only God is good in that sense, don't you see? If you do anything good, it's not your nature. You know what your nature is? Oof. You're terrible. You're the headlines in USA Today. But God's nature is good and his goodness originates with himself. And therefore, God is the only being of whom it really can be said. Say it with me. God is good. All the time. So you can't say that about anyone else. 
but him. In prior weeks, we spoke of the omnipotence of God and the omnipresence of God and the omniscience of God. In other words, he is really great, but he's not only the greatest of beings, he's the bestest of beings. He's good. He's not just all-powerful and ever-present and all-knowing. We would have to cower in fear before a God like that. Let's add to the equation that he's good. Oh, now we don't cower in fear. Now we do what Brother Buddy says. Now we snuggle up to God fearlessly as children. So his goodness is quite important, isn't it? I think he manifests his goodness in two primary ways. One is creation and the second is redemption. His goodness, think about it, was behind the very act of creation. See, because God is good, you is. <laughs> what other reason is there for you and I to be around? What other reason is there for anything to be? For anything to exist? Is God lonely? I need a friend? No. No. The very act of creation is a manifestation of his goodness. And that's why we, as we heard so wonderfully from Dr. Habashi, value and sanctify human life because it's a gift emanating from the goodness of God. All life emanates from the goodness of God. So the very act of creation is a very prime manifestation of his goodness. And the goodness of God is most assuredly displayed, don't you agree? That he sent his own son on a mission to redeem one such as you and I. That emanates from what? Nothing but his goodness. Look no further, folks. Philosophize, speculate no longer. The Lord Jesus came on a mission to save because he's good. And it's in his intention to do good things on behalf of those whom he has created. So the gospel, the greatest story ever told, is itself a mirror, a reflection of the goodness of God. Christmas time. We ring, read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. By the way, don't wait for December. You could read Luke chapter 2 at other times. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, you know what? Peace on earth, goodwill towards man. That's the gospel. That's the greatest story ever told. That's the manifestation of God's goodness displayed in his intentionality in redeeming lost man. Goodwill towards man. So redemption through God's son sacrificed for our sin emanates out of God's pure and absolute goodness. And the goodness of God, do you know this, is shown to all of his creatures, everyone. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. Now, though I just said that, though God's goodness extends to all whom he has created, don't you know that those who belong to him by faith in the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, don't you know that they receive much, much more of God's goodness than those who reject his offer of salvation. That's just the truth. That's another fact. Now, folks, if God is good, let's just in a few moments, if I could address this tough one. Why does he send anyone to hell? I mean, President Jimmy Carter is really troubled over this. How could a good God send anyone to hell? He's troubled over it. 
I don't know why. If he came here and listened to me, he'd be able to sleep at night. I don't know what his problem is. So how do we deal with this? If God is so good, why would he send anyone to hell? Let me just say a few things. Number one, he did something really good to keep us from hell. But his goodness keeps him from forcing things upon us. You see it? He did something really good so that we don't have to go there. He sent his son to suffer and die. Oh, my heavens. Every time you review the throes of the crucifixion, you want to weep to think about the agony God's son went through for you and for I. Good night. He did something to keep us from hell, but he won't, though he be omnipotent, impose that upon us because that would violate his goodness. Therefore, if anyone chooses to reject his son, the bridge to heaven, that person <laughs> has signed his own death warrant. That person has assigned himself to eternal separation from a good God. Secondly, that God does good in no wise means he is not holy. (laughs) How could he be holy if he didn't demand justice for the violation of his holy commandments? So next week, Lord willing, let's talk about the holiness of God. I know we'd have a bigger crowd if we were talking about the formula for happiness. (laughs) No. But we better talk about the holiness of God. So we'll talk about how though he be good, another one of his uncompromising attributes is that he is holy. He cannot look away from sin, you see. We'll talk about it next week. Now, let me just close with this. Since, not if, since God is good, God alone is good, what does it do for us? Nothing too fancy, but I was just thinking about this. Number one, it ought to make us really, really, really thankful. Really thankful. Psalm 107, verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. I don't have to understand his ways, I don't. He doesn't ask me for my approval. I don't have to feel good all the time. But I can still do what Psalm 107 verse 1 said. Give thanks to the Lord. For he, in spite of newspapers and circumstances, and even your emotional state of affairs today, is constantly, absolutely, naturally good. So we say, oh God, thank you. If you weren't good, we'd still bow before you under compulsion and fear. Now we call you Abba Father. Thank you for being good. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for using absolutely everything for the good. Thank you that this is your nature. I find it to be good therapy to express gratitude often. (laughs) So one of the implications of his goodness is say thank you. And the second one is be safe. Be thankful and be safe. For if God is good, in the immortal words of Alfred E. Newman of Mad Magazine, what? Me? Worry? There's nothing to worry about. We used to sing a song years ago when I was a missionary with the Navigators, 
And it was a cheer up, ye saints of God. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to make you feel afraid. Nothing to make you doubt. Remember, Jesus never fails. So why not trust him and shout? You'll be sorry you worried at all tomorrow morning. <clears throat> that was a bit of a... It was a did, did you pick up a bit of an Irish brogue over there? It's unbelievable here. I'm so versatile. Listen, folks. If he's good, I'm not going to let this make a pronouncement upon me. I'm going to let the words of God make a pronouncement upon me. And the words are, Stuart, hang in there. Be patient. I shall help you overcome. Uh, This world will not do you in. (laughs) I have overcome the world. Walk closely with me. Do things my way. I'll help you overcome. Stuart, things have to come your way for your pruning. I'm a father and I love you. (laughs) And every father disciplines his children whom he loves. There are times when you're going to hurt and you're not going to get it. You might even be angry at me. Don't worry, I can take the heat. And you'll not be able to shake me. Just know when you get in your right mind, I'm good. Therefore, nothing emanates from me that is anything but good. So be safe. In the words of Nahum, Nahum, the prophet of old, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who take refuge in him. So my fellow refuge seekers from the storms of life, take refuge in almighty God, for he is good. Another thing I was thinking today is that one of the ways in which God, I'll bet you agree, has been really good to us and for which we ought to be really thankful is for giving us our pastor. They don't grow on trees. Brother John, could you come? Our pastor, uh, who loves the members of his church, this is a manifestation of the goodness of God is going to help us to uh, come to grips a little more with the goodness of God and how we might share our burdens with him tonight. Thank you.